0: Hello friends, welcome again today to another uh, episode edition of the Pinkleton Poolside Podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein, and it happens to fall many times over into the world of sports, books, comedians, people with a story to tell, you name it. And uh, I'm excited today, we're having, we're having a conversation with a guy, I went back and looked uh, we've known of each other. We've never met in person, but we've had emails and probably some text and phone calls. Um, now on Zoom uh, with Chad Cannon, who I first met through bringing in years ago, Michael Franzese, uh, who came and spoke for us. And Michael uh, has an incredible story. People should Google his story. Chad, obviously, got to know him really well. Many years. How many How many years did you work with Michael with Outreach?
1: About five or six.
0: Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you real quick, this is already going off script. I go quickly off script. So I was at a restaurant near us in between where I am now in Bell Fountain and in Springfield at a place called Farmer's Daughter. It's exactly what you think it is. It's home cooking at its finest. Big plate, big food. And I was meeting with one of our guys the other day, and I told him the greatest one of the greatest stories we've ever had in a gathering with a breakfast speaker. Michael was here, I think, for the longest time anybody came and stayed with us. And he stayed at a really cool bread and breakfast. Mm. We go to Farmer's Daughter. I think there's eight of us. And this place is really tight. Like, when you're sitting in this restaurant, you're pretty close to people. Mm-hmm. And there was this woman sitting close to us who I'm guessing was in her 80s. And for whatever reason, I mean, it's close. you kind of aware of this. Her chair's bumping up against Michael's chair or vice versa. And she, at mm-hmm. one point, turns around and looks at him and gets really fiery. Like, uh, excuse you, you, like you're continuing to bump into my chair. And I'm thinking of all the people I could be with that she could do that to. <laughs> If she knows anything about his past, which she clearly doesn't, Chad, what could have happened there in that situation to that woman?
1: Uh, the old Brooklyn way, it would not have been pretty. But uh, luckily, uh, Michael has been redeemed, and I'm sure he was humble and full of grace. You know, I've seen, I've seen him in so many situations like that that I always joke. I'm like, well, it's a good thing the Lord pulled the, pulled the Brooklyn out of him.
0: <laughs> well, yes, and I'm telling you, for, what is he now? He's well in his 70s, right?
1: He's got to be. Yeah. And he looks yep. great. I mean, he, he, he looks like he's 55, he, yeah. you know, those Italians, they age well.
0: Well, and I got four teenagers and they love telling me sometimes, like when I met Michael David Smith one time, how much younger he looked than me, which, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. And I'm thinking, you know, Michael's, <laughs> Michael Franzese is older than Michael W. Smith. And they would probably still say the same thing now, like, dad, that, there's no way that guy's older than you. So, yeah. But yeah, we yeah. had we had a fun conversation. Me and my good buddy Landon, who's I think was my board chair at the time, we're laughing like, "What is this woman doing?" He could get her taken out like that. Uh, <laughs> there's no magic. There's no yeah. there's no Samantha from Bewitched going on here. But she could t- she could get taken out really quick. So, but anyway, we've been we've been yeah. talking for a little while back and forth, uh, trying to figure out a time to get this thing lined up for you. And I'm. Uh, I'm really kind of jealous in some ways of the season you've been in because you've just been able to kind of rest, do some great stuff family-wise and kind of take in what God has next. But before we jump into that, which is what I really want to do, give us like the three minute testimony story of how you came to Christ and what he was doing to bring you to him at that time.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm honored to be here. It's just 100%. been awesome to get to know you over the last, you know, you reminded me of 2009. So I guess that's 13 years and I would say we probably communicate a few times each year just uh stay in touch and see what see what each other's doing each other's lives and families. so yeah. honored to be here have a conversation so kind of my faith journey I grew up in the church I uh, grew up Southern Baptist which meant you know for those that are you know it's rules and regulations I didn't know much about what a true relationship with Jesus was you know I do it was a small church and you know people were lost and then they got found every week and people came to the front of the church people prayed for them you know things like that and so I'm thankful for that background, you know, the Southern Baptist, I think theologically has a lot of things, right? So I grew up understanding a lot of beautiful things about truth and scripture, but it was when I was 10 years old, our family had moved to a, kind of a local evangelical free church, not the denominations matter. I'm not a big denomination guy, but just for the context. And I'll never forget. It was a, it was a Sunday morning, Sunday, you know, Sunday school moment where they shared the gospel and a guy, you know, a guy who basically, his name's Tom Lambert. And say or any of you uh, do you any of you believe this and do you do you want to basically change the directory of your life today and I tell people I'm not a I'm not a five point Calvinist I may be a two and a half or a three and a half point Calvinist but this is one my heart was beating my palms were you know sweaty like I don't think there was anything I could do to resist the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment mm. I was called um, and I'm getting chills like even just talking about it now because I, I just you know. brings you back to that moment before I knew it I'm in a room you know and not not in a creepy room but in a room where it's like the guy's making sure he understand like I understand the decision that I'm making and I you know say the sinner's prayer you know and I don't think you have to say the sinner's prayer to become a believer but in that moment it was it was the it was the mechanism that helped me understand that I was nothing without Christ and I needed him in my life and the rest of my life was going to be different and so um, I gave my life to the Lord at 10. Dug into scripture had my had my rebellious years in middle school. Luckily, there was no social media in those times. Otherwise, it would have been a different ballgame for me. And then from high school on, um, I've really just been been heavily involved in church leadership and some some form of ministry, not perfectly. Uh, but that's, you know, God called me at 10. And, uh, you know, I would say in high school is when I recommitted my life, and has just been an upward trajectory of growing and, and seeing him move in so many different ways.
0: So much you said there that was good. I, I really almost want to unpack what you said about sinner's prayer thing, because I've definitely kind of gone that direction, too, where I think, you know, if we just do something with my young life experience, they can say so. I stand up, I walk forward, and that's it. But it's like, that did not take a lot off of what God did. It sure sounds a lot like what we did made the difference. So I, mm-hmm. I love so much what you said there. And I'm definitely with you on the non non-denominational kind of thing, like denominations for me. It's like, let's just love Jesus. And it's cool, cool. You'd, you'd appreciate this, Chad. There's a guy in our city. He's not my pastor, but I jokingly say sometimes he's Springfield's pastor. He's now been referring for a while to his church is located. It's a Nazarene church located on High Street. And he goes, I'm the pastor. I'm, I'm one of the mm-hmm. pastors in the church of Springfield High Street campus. And just to get us thinking unity, same page, <laughs> being about Jesus, it's it's a beautiful thing. Totally. So, I love that. Yeah, I always like to know. I have a lot of Nashville people on the podcast. I'm curious, uh, where do you go to church at now?
1: Uh, it's a funny question, but I would call church of the city home, which is in Franklin.
0: Oh yeah. So, so, so you know Jonathan Pitts? Yep.
1: Jonathan Pitts is uh, one of my good friends. We golf together quite a bit. I was actually just on the phone with him uh, late last week. So yeah. we're in a Bible study together that meets weekly, and his funny, you know, his daughter Alina, his oldest daughter of four has actually been kind of a nanny for our family one day a week and we oh, cool. she went with, with us to hawaii uh we were just there for two weeks a few weeks back and she came with us she's just been a a doll to our daughter crew and uh that's yeah cool. special special family
0: that's super cool well, his story He's he's been on here before and he he was due to come to springfield over covid early early on and mm-hmm. that blew apart a couple of things he was going to do that he ended up not being able to do for us or whatever but so i gotta ask you this question i know you like golf who loves golf at this point more you or jonathan
1: uh it's pretty equal but i would say i, I luckily i live on a course so i get to play more and he's newly married yeah. and uh you know so he's got a. he i get to play more so I, if, if it's by how much how much you play i would say me but we are both we both have the the bug in a big way
0: yeah he really i tell you it's fun keeping up with him oh he really you know what's funny thing i do with him is uh Great is the Lord. When I hear that song that had a lot to do with his testimony when winter passed away, almost mm-hmm. every time I'm somewhere where it comes yeah. on, I either snapshot it or I do a few second video and send it to him. Cause I've told him that song means so much different and more to me now than it ever did prior to hearing mm-hmm. his testimony and, and whatever that way. So
1: I better change 100%. lanes. Cause we're going to, yeah.
0: we're going to stay on golf and you and him if I don't do that. So again, we got connected, <laughs> we got connected May of 2009. I think it was in March with michael franzese and you were doing that world for a while and seemingly loving it and then you transition you were doing which i think is a great name chadwick the chadwick cannon agency which you were doing your own thing for a while and then Mm -hmm. you get hooked up with michael hyatt what about each of those stages talk about them and what did you how did you learn and grow through each of those seasons that's kind of prepared you for where you are now
1: Man, yeah, great question. Um, and this may be the most long-winded question because I'm, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time over the, the summer kind of processing all of this and what are the things that, that I learned in each of these that's ultimately set me up for what I'm doing now. But in short, I got put into leadership at such an early age. I was 22 years old when I started at Outreach, which was it's a, it's a church marketing communications company. So we helped churches basically grow. That was our, that was our motto and I oversaw the speakers bureaus. That's how you and I met. I was booking speakers in churches. Michael Franzese was one of those. Um, I took over that division when it was it was a fledgling, doing about half a million dollars, but not profitable. And literally the owner just gave me this opportunity and said, because I had been selling and I was just an agent and was succeeding. It's like, hey, I'll give you a year to turn this thing around. And I was like, all right, here's what I would do. And Gave me the opportunity, you know. Within two years, it was a four million dollar division, the most profitable division in the in the organization, which led me to getting promoted to VP of Sales and Marketing for the whole company. So we had, you know, I had thirty direct reports, all of that. Such a great learning experience. In my early twenties, we went through the recession, two thousand eight. I was at the table with people twenty years older than me, making really hard decisions. So I learned so much. I'm so grateful for that time. You know, Scott Evans is a mentor of mine, owner, of company still, you know, growing and blowing in Colorado Springs. But they decided to move from California to Colorado Springs, tax purposes, um, you know, better, better business state, like, you know, than than California. And so we decided, my wife and I said we didn't want to do that. I had kind of done everything that I could there other than Owning the company. And that was Scott was young. That wasn't happening anytime soon. And so moved back to Nashville, uh, where I met my wife about 20 years ago. I moved back and became the VP of marketing at Thomas Nelson Book Publishers. And in that time, I helped a lot of different authors, Lisa Turkers, Judah Smith, uh, Jefferson Bethke, kind of where I, you know, built a lot of relationships kind of in the Christian leadership space on top of what I was already doing at Outreach and worked on about 40 New York Times bestsellers to the point where a lot of the authors were like, hey, what would it look like for us to hire you, not just to launch my book, but help me build my brand, help me grow my email list and develop products around my intellectual property. So that's when I launched Chadwick Cannon Agency. There's a funny story about that. A good friend, uh, Larry Hubeka, who was the creative pastor at Elevation Church, uh, Stephen Furtick's church, kind of built pretty much all the infrastructure and everything you spend, like one of the most talented people I ever met. I was with him and, found out my name was chadwick and so for like two days all he did was call me the chadwick and he said (laughs) you need to call your company chadwick cannon agency and i grew up hating that name like just despised it you know and now like now i just own it it is what it is it's kind of it's a differentiator for me and so i launched into the agency did that for about 18 months michael uh was a client of mine michael hyatt which is you know i had a handful of clients the agency exploded way way past my exceeded my expectations, you know, almost doing $2 million in 18 months and had a team. And I actually went to Michael and I said, Hey, uh, we're going to figure out an exit strategy. Like uh, you're, you're only 10% of our company's revenue, but 50% of my personal time and the agency's changing. Um, I love what you guys are doing. I'm committed to it, but we need to come up with a six to nine month exit strategy. I'll train whoever they were super gracious. And then two or three days went by and they're like, hey, what what would it look like for us to hire you? And so I made an offer. I didn't think they'd say yes to, they did. And they, it was just, it was an incredible season. I was there for almost eight years, um, helped them grow from just a a sub seven figure business to a mid eight figure business over the last um, eight years. And uh, being so close to Michael and Megan and seeing their, the way they lead, the way that they care for customers. I just learned so much. And then I got to work with, Thousands of other companies, helping them grow and scale through our coaching program, which just set me up for this next next season, which I'm eternally grateful for. And you know, you, you work you work in this business long enough, you work with people, and you're like, man, I can't see myself working alongside them. But Michael's one of those guys, character wise, that is is second to none. And uh, I, I can't say enough of just the the way he leads from a place of of humility but also just like digging into the word on a daily basis challenging me as a leader in my faith uh, i'll always be grateful for that time with
0: michael so you know two things you just said with michael hyatt that are really interesting to me and then w- one thing about you you obviously took a risk there because if you said you're spending you know 10 percent or 50 percent of your time there but 10 percent is a profit i mean that's whatever offer you made it had to have been pretty good and then from the meet it go beyond whatever I mean, you you were clearly potentially sacrificing something there. But, you know, you talk about his humility, his I've definitely seen as they've transitioned the name of that company to full focus, uh, what Megan's doing, everything involved. It seems like he really makes things not about himself, thinking long term, thinking not about his legacy, which we even in Christian circles can focus on a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, I think when you grow and do what they've done, clearly you dealt with all types of big business probably very name recognizable people and it would be easy just to suck it up and say, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm doing fine on my own. You, you could chuck Jesus along the road somewhere and you clearly hinted on there. He's very mm-hmm. faithful in his devotional, uh, healthy, spiritual rhythms. Totally. Um, so what, what have you taken to maybe apply to your mm-hmm. life from eight years of Michael Hyatt?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And one of the things I would say, a lot of people ask me, is like, Hey, what, what's the secret sauce that Michael had that his company has, grown and scaled the way that it has compared to other people that started around the same time, kind of similar. And I said, Michael had the experience of being a leader, running a half billion dollar company before, and he hired people, not necessarily smarter than him, uh, but people, he hired high level people and not just kind of grunt workers. He hired people, other visionaries like myself, his daughter, Megan, um, Joel Miller, people that had a bigger vision than maybe he even had for the future of the company. And he let them do their thing and get out of the way. That doesn't mean that he just totally let us do our own thing but he empowered us to think bigger the vision a vision bigger than he may have even had and then got on board and then helped lead us to make that happen and very few founder ceos have that capability but michael did and as far as so that's one thing i've learned from him you know george steinbrenner always said you know the secret to his success is he always smart hired smarter people than himself um you know i think that's something that michael's you know I, I think michael's one of the smartest people so i can't say i can't sit here and say he hired me and i'm smarter than michael because i'm not um but in, in his mind he was hiring people smarter than him you know and people that had unique skill sets and so um that's something that i want to do as i kind of build and grow this next thing but also stay true to priorities and family he learned the hard way early in his career you know he climbed a corporate ladder and sacrificed a lot of his family you know i'm co- close with all five of his daughters and you know the there's been redemption and all of that, but there's also there was some scar tissue, you know, not only in marriage and in with kids, and that's just that's just normal family stuff, you know. But he's committed in this business to help people. We call the double win: win at work and succeed at life. So in this next season, I don't want to sacrifice my marriage. I don't want to sacrifice my friendships, my relationship with my with my daughter. And so while it's important to build this business, it's it's not that's not the most important, you know. And I'm in a I'm in a group with. Jefferson Bethke and Jeremy Pryor, and I'm going to, I'm going to botch this probably, but he would say, uh, and this is more like in the corporate world, but you can kind of, even as an entrepreneur, you can replace this with your clients, your boss thinks you're replaceable, but your kid doesn't think you're replaceable, Mm. both are true. And so think of, you know, your clients as an entrepreneur, your customers, your team, uh, the only thing that you can't be replaced uh, as either a dad or a mom you know that's that's the thing you everything else you could be replaced for you know i've got great clients but there's other people who can serve the clients really really well that doesn't mean i want to give up my clients uh but there's a balance sure. and i hate the, i hate the terminology work life balance but there's there has to be a balance and, and and seasons there's priorities in different seasons so i could talk on that because i'm passionate about it but i won't i won't
0: <laughs> i almost want you to because we're talking similar stuff that we both believe i just uh, driving up here today I made a comment to someone. we were. Ta- I was talking to a person about what the next two weeks of my life look like. And I said, it's just, it's the holiday. I'm going to be gone. I said, I hate the word balance. <laughs> I said, but for two weeks, I've got a crazy rhythm that uh, I-, I like rhythm much more than balance. So I'm with you on that. Well, you've hit mm-hmm. on the daddy-daughter thing a couple times. I have three boys. My daughter Leah is 13. We're in some new stages of life, very recently in some new stages of life. Yeah. And what did you learn from Michael and Megan's relationship that you're like, The notepad's not big enough to be able to apply this as a daddy-daughter thing for team gannon wow canon i said gannon team cannon help me with that megan michael what did you learn working so closely with? yeah yeah i don't know
1: i just got emotional thinking about that um i I don't know why i can Um, see it that actually i I do yeah so I, i got to take our daughter to school this morning and you know this was the first thing i had today i mean i got up and did a couple things and uh, so I just got to be present, taking my daughter to school. It's a 25 minute drive in the car, and just uh, so thankful that I get to do that and be present with her. Um, but one of the things I think I learned from Michael and Megan, and I've I've worked in kind of family situations before where it's uh, there's kids working for either the mom or the dad in different situations, and sometimes it's like really professional and you actually call people by the name their name rather than like mom or dad. One of the things that I I always loved is megan still always refers to michael as dad i don't know why like there's something endearing to it even on the podcast business meetings and it doesn't mean that it can't that that's not professional it's it's uh there's a beauty between daughter and dad Mm. you know and but also like there's really healthy lines between business and family they don't talk about business on the weekend when they get together you know it's a big thing for them you know there's In the business there were no sacred cows just because like there were three or four years in the business i was the only person in the executive team that wasn't family and i never felt like i wasn't family i never Mm. felt like i had to fight the family you know you hear you see the the show on hbo succession you know which is all this like this toxicity in a family environment there was none of that it was extremely extremely healthy and so you know just being able to admire the way that a daughter and a dad could work together, make each other stronger, sharper, better without the toxicity of like all the family drama in the mix of it. Not that there was like, but, you know, just with family comes that stuff, you know, and never brought that into the workplace, which I, I think says a lot about both of their character and leadership.
0: Well, there's obviously a lot you can take and apply to your personal life as a dad there. One of the things I would bet we share in common as well is. I've constantly said between the many, many breakfasts we've now done over the years, you know, Michael was one of the first people. We got a new one coming up October 27th with Brand Hansen. And I tell people I've been incredibly blessed. The podcast is no different. The people I've got to interact with, the people would ask me, so what are they like? Or, you know, you interact with them. They come spend time with me or even a, a, a thing like you and I are doing. I said almost without fail, every person I've ever interacted with is better than you think. Like however you hope they are, they're better than that. And... You know, it sounds like you had that experience with Michael. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sensing that. I, I often get on these, these podcasts and think, man, I could totally see me and this person hanging out. And I definitely have sensed that even before with you. But uh, when you've gone through this process, especially in this time of waiting, and I know your, your email that went out, and I, got, I was on that email list, just kind of blew me away. Like, it was thorough. It was vulnerable. I felt like people got a great look into your heart. What have you learned about discerning God's will And not so much, I don't want to be too broad with that, but like specifically in this season of life for you, Chad, as a husband, as a dad, as a business owner, whatever, like what would you tell people, like, here are things you need to get, know when you're in a season that let's face it, it's probably somewhat scary. It's somewhat like, where do we go? Things could Mm -hmm. not go how you think it could blow up in a great way. What have you learned? It's like, no matter what I do the rest of my life, I will treasure knowing this about the Lord Mm -hmm. through this process.
1: Ooh! wow. Uh, that could be a three hour talk right sure. there. But uh, trying to trying to summarize it in a couple just initial thoughts that come to mind. I've always been my, my wife and I have always been people that take risks. We moved our family from Nashville, Tennessee to Dallas 10 months later, we moved to San Diego We moved back to Nashville, we've taken some big real estate risks. And I feel like the Lord has blessed each and every one of those things because of because of taking the risk. But not doing it for our own gain but for dreams that we have as a family around the mission statement we have around being hospitable and life-giving and generous and all of those things and so we always pray lord open doors and close doors so we move until a door is closed you know and once that door is closed that's we were saying that's god you know and um so we don't do analysis paralysis we do pray we seek the lord all those types of things um, you know, and I think the other that I would say, and, and I've done this imperfectly, Oh, you know, my 16 years of marriage, this is something I've learned from others. that are much wiser than me, but your wife is going to be the best barometer of how your marriage is going. Mm. And so when your wife comes to you and says, Hey, it doesn't feel right. Rather than making excuses really wrestle to the ground. Okay. What, what is that? What's, what have I done to cause that? and i i'm the first to defend and be like well what about this and this and this and this all the things i'm doing you know and it it, it doesn't when you do that it doesn't go well just shut up process you know and i and i would just and and really think through okay where where am i failing you know and and even in that email like we we took the summer and you know my work schedule was lighter than than usual but it was more than we thought we were going to when we signed up for leaving michael you know in full focus in in april And so she was super gracious and helped, you know, allowing me to not even allowing me, but championing me to kind of take on the handful of clients that I did take on while we were trying to figure out what's next. So I would just say for me, like, you know, I think there's some people that really struggle to seek God's will. And then they, and they struggle with an analysis paralysis rather than, you know, the Lord said says, go more times than he says, wait for me to tell you where to go. Mm -hmm. He says, go. And then he shows up, you know? And so, um, I would just say, go until the door closes and just keep your ear to the ground and your eyes to where the spirit's moving and just keep going.
0: Well, you said so many good things there. I love, and I'm, I'm totally challenged by the risk stuff and really wanting to, as you said, it, I felt a quickening of my spirit about doing more of that. I think we often talk and, and, and almost seek God thinking there's a, a door that's going to open versus doors. And I've used that a lot in my mm-hmm. path of saying, okay, when God brought me into the gathering, it was doors opening and keep going until it shuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love how much you made your wife a part of that equation. Like I think, I try to be careful not to say things even flippily that have no theological value. And I've often said I stole this from somebody about uh, our wives often being Holy Spirit number two. And I never yeah. feel like that. I never feel like that's a bad thing to say. It always feels when it comes out of my mouth like I think our wives kind of. I think God has done something with our wives to make them this this backup check if we need it. Like, what are they discerning? Where do they have a reader that I don't have? Man, Chad, there was just a lot really good that you said there. So thanks for – I think that's going to be a thing when people later hear this. Thanks, They're going to tell me, like, Jeff, that part Chad was talking about with discerning and his wife, and that's good stuff. We're going to move on. we got these rapid five, quick hitting, quick answers. I think you're going to kill this. I'm super excited about your answers here. What is your favorite childhood snack or cereal?
1: Uh, cereal, cinnamon toast crunch, still love it to this day. And sour patch kids, you know, move in the movie sour patch kids, or that's where I, that's when I eat sour patch kids. I go to a movie and I, I like try to figure out how long I can make a, a bag of sour patch kids last in a movie. I want to enjoy it the whole movie.
0: That's great. Well, cinnamon, cinnamon and then toast
1: and my stomach hates me for the next few hours.
0: <laughs> I bet. I bet that's true. <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch, I think is a great one because I really love that one too. And I think no matter what brand it is or who's trying to steal it. They all come off really good. It's just a simple, great formula. So uh, next for you, Chad, and I want to call you Chadwick because it is a great name. I mean, think about it. Bozeman. Hey. Bozeman launched. Go, not-
1: go, Go for it. It used to be I only heard Chadwick when I was in trouble, so, but now it's not the case, so you can, you can use it.
0: Yeah. Bozeman made it great, if nothing else. So what is your favorite yeah. book you most like to gift to other people?
1: And this is so easy. In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, Mark Batterson, his first kind of big Big book that was just transformational for me. If you have not read that book, you need to need to get it. I don't want to give it away, but uh, the way he unpacks the story of Benaya and what that means for us and our calling as men, and
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: doing stuff around the injustices in the world or whatever, you know, not just in the world but just in, in your own community, in your own world, and it's a book I read every year. And when I go to places where it's like, hey, bring the book that's most impacted you, it's easy in a pit with the line on a snowy day.
0: I, you've challenged me now to want to read it again. I have, uh, um, I have the pa- a pastor friend of mine who I wasn't super close to gave me that years ago. Mark and I have established some level of a relationship. I've been able to introduce him to some others who they've established relationships with him. And we're, I'm actually in the middle right now of day five of the 40-day Draw the Circle journey with 23 people right now. Yeah, that, that, I've thanked the guy who gave me that numerous times over the years. Thanks for turning me on to that book. So here's a big one. So you yeah, guys. That's fantastic. It is. So you guys did your travels this summer. You did some cool stuff. And let's say you leave Nashville and you're heading to Florida or you're going west. And all of a sudden, somebody's got to go to the bathroom, your wife, your daughter. And it's like, okay, we were going to stop in like 15 minutes. But now we got to stop. I'm not stopping again. We can stop right here. These three restaurants, and you've covered the territory to go to all of them. in and out Burger, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, where does Team Cannon go?
1: Uh Well, none of those. I would go right now. The one I mean, of those three, I would say in and out. The reason being is we don't have like we have Chick-fil-A, we don't have in and out here. And so when you go West, it's like, yeah, I want to check out in and out. But right now we're we're obsessed with Whataburger, which Whataburger is kind of spreading from Texas and now here, but we always go to 30A or in November, you know, Rosemary Beach area down in Florida. And as soon as we get into the Florida area, there's a Whataburger about 20 minutes from our destination. And it's like, it's a stop that we are, we look forward to and we're salivating for like an hour beforehand. And it's just, just, you know, it's, it's just great. I don't know what to say. Just great.
0: So since you're in Nashville and this is not a lot of places, even though it's a chain, I got to know, do you like Backyard Burger? No. I I mean,
1: it's not like, it's not like I dislike it, but I like their milkshakes more than, than the burger. Okay.
0: Because a lot of people don't have backyard burger, but I really like backyard burger. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I get your answer. That totally makes sense. Since uh, yeah, if you go west, you're not getting the option for In and Out like you are out there. So, I bet you have a yeah. great answer to this. What movie pulls you in every time you see it? If it stumble, you stumble upon it, you're like, we got to watch this.
1: Gladiator, phenomenal movie. Russell Crowe killed it. I just, I don't know. I don't know what about like it does something to my like just like inner being that gets me jazzed that makes me think i can conquer the world i don't know why but that's it's 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 a special movie for me
0: so i take guys many years father-son trip or men's trip to montana to burnt fork ranch and there's some clips in that movie we see every time and i think that answer's probably been given maybe more than any other answer on this podcast is uh, gladiator people eat it up so yeah now, this is going to be an interesting answer. Knowing you're a big hat guy, you always have some cool hats. But what is your all-time favorite, maybe older school, favorite trendy clothing item that you still hold on to?
1: Man, um, I don't know. I mean, like, so I thought you were going to go new. And so this brand, Anatek, Anetik, A-N-E-T-I-K, okay. is by far, like, it's the most comfy. Like, it, it puts Lulu and Viore to shame, Lulu Lemon and Viore to shame um it's upf 30 so i can golf in this um even if it's hot i'm wearing a long sleeve right now it actually cools me down it's it's the best brand right now trendy that i love man i just i like a good old fashioned white t-shirt just to to lounge around in and hang and uh, I'm, i'm more like new cutting edge you know we're recording this in the day that apple's kind of unveiling kind of the iphone 14 all the new stuff today and i like blocked that day out like i'm so i'm like I'm a, the new shiny object guy, so I'm not. I'm not for like the old tradition. I like kind of the new stuff. So I'm always forward, future thinking on that type of thing.
0: So two things that you must not struggle with pit stains if you're a big white t-shirt guy. So good for you if uh, you have no problems there.
1: Yeah, or you just you just have enough that when the pits start showing, <laughs> you just uh, you just throw them away. There you go. You know? and, t- <laughs> and tell
0: me the name again. Yeah, I can see it on your shirt, but I can't. Either my English is bad. It's called
1: Anatic. A N E t i k so they're really owning kind of the fishing and golf space okay. so like it's out but like i would just say everyday use um they've got long sleeve like this is a really thin hoodie that like i can wear and it's like i, I wear this to golf in 100 degree weather because sure. when i sweat it actually cools me down yeah. and it protects me from the sun it's just it's a game changer
0: I'm totally checking out because a friend of mine's kind of got me into Orvis a bit, but that looks pretty cool. And and uh, if nothing yep. else, they should be sponsoring you for something or me for this podcast. We'll we'll keep talking them up and see what <laughs> happens. So, um, well, we only yep. have time for a couple more questions. So I'm hoping we're going to get you back because this has been a great conversation. I think we could go a whole lot longer. But let me ask you this: I, I think you're you're going to be a great person to ask this question to because I love this question. What these days, very current, makes you joyful? What makes you sad? what makes you laugh and what makes you mad
1: wow man that's a those are some loaded questions in today's uh yeah today's culture you know i i would say joyful it's just it. like i live in a golf community and so everyone here loves golf and i would just say relationships Un, like unexpected conversations like we went out after dinner and we were going to walk our dog kind of down the fairway and we ended up running into a friend they've got two kiddos and just seeing our kids play while we had this conversation was just like, so full of joy. We got these crazy photos, like just, you know, unexpected way to finish the night, but it was so awesome. You know, and Love that. Um, there's a lot of stories around how God got us here and what God's doing with us here. And it's just kind of, it, it, that brings us, brings me joy. You know uh, what makes me sad? Um, honestly, the, the lack of ability to have a conversation with someone you disagree with today in culture mm. it's it's kind of probably the thing that makes me mad too is just the way that the world is set up whether it be the echo chambers that are created on social media or now even in the news media i think even if people that are kind of polar opposites we probably agree on 85 to 90 percent of all the all the big stuff but it's 10 or 15 percent, maybe even less than that that we disagree on and that we allow ourselves to be so polarized over those things rather than being willing to have a conversation still be friends even though we disagree on you know i hate to say it maybe abortion maybe mm. you know uh some of the other the gender stuff that's happening you know like we can disagree you know and stuff like that you know i'm you know the aldeans live here in that in our in our community and you know they're going through a pretty public thing where Brittany. Just basically shared, you know, that she was glad that she didn't, you know, there wasn't propaganda when she was a tomboy growing up, thinking that maybe she was a different gender, and she's thankful to her parents that they didn't, you know, allow her to do that. And then she got just tore alive, you know, and and she's the she's probably the most like level-headed on this and willing to have people disagree with her mm-hmm. and just see how like country music has tried to, you know, certain people in country music chew her up and spit her out, and it's just like that stuff makes me sad and mad because if someone were have a conversation with Brittany around the table you would be like yeah that totally is reasonable it makes sense you know oh,
0: wow. so
1: and then laugh you know I mean I just in any time with my daughter my daughter is a hoot
0: how does she know and
1: she's five okay. she'll be six in November so she is she's my mini me she's always negotiating <laughs> um you know and with drives you? my wife nuts does she negotiate so, with you and your wife Oh, yeah. Or with anyone, you know, if she wants something. So like the other day, she's at the top of the stairs and we were getting ready to leave. I forget where we were going, but we were going to a friend's house. And she's like, can I please bring some blocks and, you know, all this like just very few things. And we're like, yes. And she goes, good, because I already. And then she like brought them from the side of the stairs and was like, good, I already packed them, you know. And and if we said no, she was going to negotiate. I know she was. You know, she had the whole thing planned out.
0: Well, I guess if part of discipleship is you want people to go further than you did, you're doing your job, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, wow, that's <laughs> great.
0: Well, Chad, it's been great having you on. I mean, it took a while. I'm glad we kind of saw, saw this thing through and had a, hopefully a good right time for you with some space since you've uh, tried to carve that out. And uh, like I said, I got a couple more questions, so we could still do a, a, a second part here at some point. And I think as I develop this podcast and think about people I want to have on, you know, once a year, somewhat semi-consistently, I, c- I could see you definitely being one of those. And uh, what, what so you've referenced your golf course a couple of times. What golf course do you live on there in Nashville?
1: Uh, Troubadour Golf and Field Club. So we're down in College Grove, just about twenty-five minutes southeast of Franklin, thirty-five oh, wow. minutes from the airport. It's uh it's it's a great spot.
0: So you're you're a ways away from Nashville. I mean, because if you're that far from Franklin, you're 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 almost, I mean, you're heading towards the yeah, Alabama it's kinda, line.
1: Yeah, it's just hard to get to, you know, like uh, but it's as the crow flies, like only fifteen miles from the airport. But you just have to kind of go around to get there. And so it's not too bad. But you know it's far enough out that you know i was a city guy when julie and i moved here eight years ago we're like we're never leaving south of the city and we just keep keep going further yeah. south and you know as the world keeps kind of doing we're like oh sure. we never thought we'd be behind a gate and now we're behind the gate yeah. and uh we're okay with it
0: gotcha gotcha well hey where can people find out more about you uh with what's coming and, and just you in general how do they find you if they want to know more about what's going on in your life chad
1: yeah, so right now, um, Instagram is probably the best place. My personal Instagram's is at, at ccanon21. So first initial, last name, C-A-N-N-O-N, the number 21. And then if you're a golfer, you like kind of following golf, I've got a, a fun Instagram account, he tees off. And uh, so that's kind of a passion project. Uh, not even a project, but just kind of a passion. Because um, it's built a marketing agency around social media doing this, but I, I don't do a ton on the personal, but there's some big things that I'll be announcing um, about our next kind of company, which you, you heard a little bit in the email, but I'll be announcing that um, on Instagram and kind of launching a website, building an email list and all that from there. So uh, if you want to follow me at Ccanon21, uh, definitely Give give uh, Jeff a shout out. Uh, you if you if you follow and would love to love to connect with you.
0: That'd be great. I'm glad you said that because I'll pause then. And if people don't find out in time, they can reach out to me in a month or so and I'll I'll give them since I know where you're gonna be doing, I'll uh, yeah, we'll let people know. So Chad, let's carry this on at another point, uh, and, and love to connect and stay in touch. Like you said, I think we have probably stayed in touch a couple times a year and, uh, and this is a great life giving conversation for me to at least be on the receiving end. So have a great day there, Chad.
1: Same here. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation.
1: The Rise FM Podcast Network.